0: Welcome to Church Folks, the new podcast where we interview folks from our church community about who they are and what God is doing in their lives. I'm Zach Dunlap, pastor of Multi-Site at Birmingham and Berkeley First. Throughout the Bible, people are encouraged to bear witness to what they have seen and heard. Continuing in that tradition, this podcast offers a forum for people to get to know one another and be inspired. Our hope is that the stories of these church folks empower you to share your stories, to inspire others, and to be a part of beloved community together. I'm here today with Tim Jack. Tim, what gets you out of bed in the morning?
1: I think it's just I have to work. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, on weekends, I, I try to sleep in as much as I can, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's just... It's the, the daily responsibilities, but just kind of, um, the opportunity to, to be a dad, which, you know, I guess Ken and I don't really take for granted and, uh, and then having the privilege of having a, you know, a good job that, that, um, gives me a sense of fulfillment, but also, and, and challenges me as well. Um, and also kind of rewards me pretty, pretty well too. Yeah. What do you love? Just in general, or? Sure. Um, well, I mean, I love Ken. I love Mia, our current foster daughter, soon to be uh, legal daughter, I guess. Um, I love my job. I, uh, I I love the friends that we have, you know, here at uh, Bur- Birmingham Berkeley, the fellowship that we have, you know, um, the... The relationship I have with my family—I um, think we're both just very blessed in general. So,
0: how have you experienced God at work in your life?
1: I, I'm very career-driven, and that's one of the probably four areas that I kind of focus on in my life. Um, and and for me, because work is just such a big part of my life, um, I I can really see God's hand. In kind of guiding where, you know, I always end up. And uh, it's funny because every single time I I think about my career, I can see, you know, this is, it's always God leading me, right? So I've always, always had one opportunity for whatever uh, stage of my career I'm in. So, you know, way back in my undergrad days, I had internships and I would only get one offer. So it's pretty clear that's where God wants me to go. And I've never been one that was lucky enough to have a choice in my career. It was always literally just one door opens and then one door closes and so on. Looking back, I I always see, you know, God always has a plan for me. And and because I think it's for me, it's just so clear because my career has just been so varied over the years and I've had so many different jobs. So I could kind of see from one step to the next where um where uh, God really had a a role in this and and kind of set the um the direction out for me. um but but I see a lot of different ways that um God had a hand in my life, like um even how I met Ken. It was kind of funny because uh, it was at a time where we both weren't looking for a relationship <laughs> we were both kind of at a crossroads in life and we just sort of just met each other and and headed off and um so it, you know I could see many different areas of my life same thing for for me uh uh we just got our foster's license and a week later we got a call and we were like oh okay so we <laughs> we weren't we weren't even immensely prepared to be parents. and um and you know, we didn't even have intentions of of even being foster parents, even. And, um it turns out that, you know, it, it's it's kind of sad, but, you know, bittersweet because uh, her mom had basically no desire to have anything to do with her. But, you know, in such a sad beginning, I guess, um that's how we are able to start our family and we're more than happy to take that place and and give her our love so i mean there're just so many different areas where i could see um god was really there and he's he's made all this stuff happen so yeah
0: that definitely sounds like god at work i mean god is a God of, of resurrection, but in order for there to be a resurrection, death has to have taken place. Right. Scripture says that sorrow may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. And you and Ken certainly have a lot of joy in your life right now.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. That's beautiful.
0: What brought you into the church in general mm. and this church, Birmingham and Berkeley First in particular?
1: Yeah. I, I grew up going to church. Uh, it's the same story for both Ken and myself. Um, he, he was growing up as a pastor's kid. I became a pastor's kid when I was 20 something. So much later in life. Um, but we kind of grew up in, in church. We learned the Bible stories and so on, um, made it into our own faith, uh, as we grew older. Um, and you know, I think we were both just very fortunate going to really strong churches that had very strong teachings and also really great community. And and so when we moved to Michigan um, from Ohio, then we obviously wanted to find a church that that had that. And, you know, for our specific situation, it's not easy because there's a lot of strong churches, but then, you know, being LGBT, um it's not the easiest finding an affirming church and so we did a little bit of you know church shopping over the years um tried a few churches in the area and we actually really loved them but then fundamentally if they they don't accept us for who we are we found a hard time thinking about how we're going to start a family and have you know find the support that um That we think that we would need um in the long term so we we had to look elsewhere and when we found birmingham berkeley that's that's what we found it's you know the great community strong teaching um but also affirming and to us that's obviously very important so yeah
0: we're so glad that you have found a church home here uh, a home where you feel comfortable raising your family yeah when have you felt closest to God and conversely when have you felt furthest from God?
1: Um uh, interesting question. <laughs> I think I always feel the closest to God when I'm going through a crisis. And I it's almost embarrassing to say this because you know I I, I don't want to think of myself as a person who th- sees god as a genie or a vending machine um <clears throat> but i i do think that's those are the times where my prayer life and my devotional life and um and, and how much i spend time with him in general that's probably those times um it's when i need him most and you know in terms of when i felt furthest from him i I'm not really sure. You know, I don't have a lot of ups and downs with my spiritual life. I find at least I think, um, and so I don't really think that I could recall a whole lot of times where I'm I feel too distant from God. But I think it's just sort of like it's it's in the mundane, you know, parts of life where you know it's. I guess I'll if I if I was gonna try to use marriage as the, um, illustration, you know, maybe you (laughs) might get into some bigger arguments or whatever. So those might be some low points, but by and large, you know, you're just getting by, right? So Mm. not every single day is like the most romantic kind of thing. Right. (laughs) And, and to me, that's kind of like how I see my relationship with God too. There are times where I'm very, very close and, and, you know, and then there are times where it's just like, maybe I take it for granted my relationship with, with God and all that he's done for me. So that's probably, that's probably my, you know, low points, I suppose. Yeah.
0: The low points are more like when you're just kind of plodding along in that routine of everyday life.
1: Yeah. I, I guess it's like when I don't feel like I'm really growing because I'm not investing. Right. And I know really, you know, when it comes to relationships, your eyes are going forward or backwards. And so Theoretically, I guess, when, when I'm not investing, I'm really kind of backsliding, if anything. Yeah.
0: Can you share of a time when you really sensed God stretching you or transforming
1: you? You know, I, I think you and I are the same this way. We're both just very driven. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't know that there's a time where I'm not being stretched, which is why it's hard to answer that question. I, You know, I... I would say probably a recent example would be, you know, when we took a Caden into our home. It, it was a strain for a lot of reasons, like <clears throat> even for our marriage. And we literally had like five minutes to decide, are we are we going to do this, yay or nay? And so, you know, because of our uh, upcoming adoption, we... Could only commit to a month, and that's that's what I gave the the agency. I said, okay, we could give you up to a month. Um, if it's less, that's fine. <laughs> but you know, that's that's the max. I feel like every single day, I'm I'm just pushing myself to 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 do something different, to to do something more. So it kind of felt, in some ways, like just another day in my life. <laughs> but certainly, uh, that that was a little bit of a stretch. Yeah,
0: You and Ken are active in foster care, and as you noted, you, you just had your first end-to-end fostering experience. I don't want to put words to your experience, but I imagine that felt both life-giving and heart-wrenching at the same time. Can you tell our listeners what yeah. it means to you to open up your home and your heart through foster care?
1: There's there's a large community of other foster parents who, who know what you're going through. And, you know, it's, it's easier to talk about the heartbreak first, but you really learn to love these kids. And the, the sad thing about fostering is, um, if you're doing it right, your heart is torn out when they leave your home. That's, that's, sad I, it's just so sad that like somebody has to be hurt <laughs> in order for um for you to be doing it right and maybe even everybody's hurt right um i don't think he wanted to leave our home and um and, and it's amazing to see the bonds that that you could create in such a short time it was just It gives us so much joy to just think about like, maybe it was such a short time, but hopefully we made an impact, you know? And, uh, I, I often tell people fostering is probably like the most thankless (laughs) job that there is. Yes. I mean, many, many people are underappreciated in society, but I think the whole world of fostering is something that most people don't know about. Like the just the investment to become a foster parent is huge. Um, They, the, the agency knows more about my finances than my mortgage company. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I could buy probably a million dollar house and they don't need to know as much as a fostering agency does. And it's, it's just so insane. And, you know, um, you have to, You have to go through education sessions you have to continue to uh go through these education sessions just to to maintain your license monthly you know um home visits to to, um to to you know for the foster worker to uh check up on the kid um in in some cases like in in not in Mia's, is because her mom wasn't uh as engaged but you have weekly two-hour visits with the birth parents that's a lot of time, and and if it's an infant three times a week, it's like who has this kind of time? <laughs> and and so I think there's this misconception for for maybe you know maybe there's some bad actors out there, but some folks are thinking oh foster families are just in it for the money. I can tell you we don't we don't make any <laughs> money. It was not a profit uh, center <laughs> in in business terms, um, and it, it's just the most invasive the least thankless or the most thankless, you know, job, if you call it that, that I've ever had. But at the same time, you know, this is our way of, you know, making an impact on society. It's just, it's our way of, of giving back. Something you just
0: said resonated with me. And I don't even know if I can fully put it into words because I have to process this further, but you talked about, um, the hurt that needs to take place for healing to happen, hmm. um, and this this idea of like this broken situation and entering into that brokenness in a place of vulnerability and taking that hurt upon yourself, yeah, so that healing can take place for somebody else, and I mean, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. that's right, and um I think that's just deeply profound, so I think it's it's beautiful what you and Ken and, and so many other foster parents are doing. I know you have another little one on the way very soon. Um, probably before, uh, this actually airs, um, two questions. What are you most excited about and what are you most anxious about?
1: Well, excitement. I think it's just growing our family again, and quite frankly, that's probably the biggest one of the, the things we're most anxious about too. <laughs> um, I mean, I think anybody with kids knows that kids are expensive. <laughs> and yes. so that's you know certainly one of the things in our minds. Uh, probably the biggest piece of anxiety for us is just kind of similar to fostering. Like maybe there's there's a world of adoption that that most people don't know about. And, um, you know, one in five adoptions through our agency, and ours is one of the better ones too, uh, are what they call, you know, they end up in disruptions, which means, you know, the birth parents or birth mother, uh, changes their mind and, um, and then the adoption doesn't go through. So you, you went through all this expense, but also just the emotional investment, um, and then you you could end up empty-handed, so that's honestly our biggest you know piece of apprehension. And you know it's it's funny because being LGBT means almost nothing is normal, <laughs> right? Even having kids. So what it means is like you know even the other friends that we have here at Berkeley and Birmingham, uh, we're having baby showers and all that stuff that's like a normal experience but when you're adopting or um in our you know fostering is the other scenario for us you can't have that because i you know it's like the most embarrassing i, I don't know if it's embarrassing or shameful or what but or just like just kind of all these negative emotions but if if we do end up with a disruption It would just be like, oh, man, we went through the baby shower. People bought bought us all this stuff. Mm. And it's like, well, no, we're not going to put ourselves through that. Um, So what a lot of people maybe just take for granted, you know, as part of normal um, rites of passage, if you will, um, they're not things that we could really afford for ourselves. And, you know, so I, I don't know. It's 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 just like a lot of other large things obviously there's a lot of emotions involved um but at the same time you know we're very cautiously excited is how I would put it um with the the good chance that this will go through and um i mean just another you know child that we could pour our love into and hopefully raise to be good uh um, for this case, it's a boy, so uh, hopefully he'll grow up to be a God-fearing man, um, and and just make an impact in this world. And you know, hopefully that'll we won't screw up too bad. <laughs> 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 and uh, and we'll see. Yeah.
0: Next week we'll pick back up in our conversation with Tim about his family, career, Christian heritage, and hopes for the future. In the meantime, you can find out more about Birmingham and Berkeley First on our websites, fumcbirmingham.org and berkeleyfirst.org. Whether it's through our church or some other church, we hope you take the time to be a part of Beloved Community, grow in your faith, and share your stories. Peace.